everybody. Welcome back to the Lights Out Podcast, Episode 5. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the haunted Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles, California, including one of the biggest mysteries surrounding this hotel as well, and that is the infamous death of Elisa Lamb. But before we dive into the story of the Cecil Hotel, I first wanted to remind everybody that this podcast is about a variety of different topics, and as much as I love covering the paranormal, I also really enjoy diving into some of these darker events and crimes, as well as serial killers as well. So with that being said, my goal with this podcast is to rotate through those topics so that we can cover all sorts of different things. And plus, it keeps you on your toes and you never know what you're going to get. I also wanted to mention that we're currently working on some Lights Out merch for you guys. So look out for that coming out here soon. And then also, guys, make sure you are subscribed on YouTube, iTunes, and you follow us on Spotify or anywhere else that you listen to the show because that really does help us out. And lastly, I wanted to let you guys know that we do have a Discord server. So if you're interested in talking with others more about some of the different things that we cover on the show, I will put those links below as well. But with all that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the Haunted Cecil Hotel. So I'm sure many of you out there are horror fans just like we are. And actually, one of my favorite shows that's out there is the American Horror Story. Have you watched any of that, Joel? Yeah, I actually saw the first few seasons of it and I really liked it. What about you? Yeah, I've definitely watched some of the first couple seasons of American Horror Story. I'm I'm definitely not caught up with all of the latest episodes that have come out, but I do really enjoy it. And I find just the visuals in it to be just crazy and something that just totally like gets you sucked into this other world where you really experience what's happening. I, I really find it creepy. I really like how they do it. And Actually, season five, which I haven't seen yet, is titled Hotel. And a lot of the inspiration behind the season is based upon the Cecil Hotel. Because like the show, the Cecil Hotel has a truly terrifying and horrific history. So the Cecil Hotel began its construction in 1924. And a few years later, it opened in 1927. And when they built this thing, they were wanting it to be one of the finest, most luxurious hotels in all of L.A., But it literally, like as soon as they got this thing done, the Great Depression hit. And obviously when the Great Depression hit, the market crashed and everybody lost their money for the most part. And so right after building this luxurious, beautiful hotel, I mean, the accommodations at this hotel are beyond amazing. And obviously as a result of the Great Depression, this hotel that was known for its luxurious accommodations would fall from grace and then become known for its long sordid history of hosting serial killers, a place where people commit suicide way too often, as well as murders. So the Cecil Hotel was built in 1924 by a man named William Banks Hanner, and it cost him roughly about $1 million to build it, which would be equivalent to $13 million today, which honestly really doesn't seem like that much for a hotel, but still, at the time, that was a lot of money to put into it. And they made the building as tall as they would illegally allow them to build the building at that time. And the hotel ended up being 19 stories tall, which at the time was extremely tall and made it stick out among the other buildings. And they based the interior architecture on this French style of architecture. I think it's called bow art or something like that, but it's really just elegant. And they've got these big opulent staircases and they put palm trees in it. 
and there's stained glass windows all over the place as well on the ceilings. And when I look at it, it reminds me of like the Venetian hotel in Las Vegas or any of those really high end hotels that we have today. They really spent a lot of money on this thing and they didn't cheap out on the materials either. They had an all marble lobby, alabaster statues, and this hotel had over 700 rooms in it because the goal of building it was to attract the most wealthy businessmen who are coming to LA to do business as well as the social elite of Los Angeles. So we're talking movie stars and actors and actresses and singers and all of that kind of thing. So that's why they made the place so nice. And when the place opened in 1927, this period of time was known as the roaring twenties. So everybody was living life well and enjoying themselves and there was money to go around. And then obviously once the great depression hit in October of 1929, this all came crashing down. So LA was impacted greatly by this. And this once glamorous hotel that was hosting some of the most elite people in LA completely came crashing down to the point where they had to lower their daily rates to pretty much anything people would be willing to pay in order to keep the rooms filled and the business afloat. And in addition, as time went on, especially going into the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, this area of LA became very, very rough, and it would become known as Skid Row. Now, the area known as Skid Row in LA has a lot of affordable housing in it, so the average income is a lot less. But the main reason for it becoming a tougher area is because of the large homeless population. And obviously, the people that are integrated within the homeless population also bring trouble with them as well. So by the 1970s, the city of LA declared that Skid Row was a zone where the homeless population could live and would be tolerated. And when this happened, this obviously completely ruined the chances of the Cecil Hotel ever being an elite place for you know, respected businessmen and the rich to come and visit or enjoy themselves. So as a result of the homeless being permitted to stay in Skid Row and just this overall area changing and developing into this really rough side of town, the Cecil Hotel became home for drug addicts, prostitutes, and criminals. And the Great Depression had a huge impact on this hotel during that time where the hotel had to decrease the prices in order to maintain business. And it ended up being known in the area as like the budget hotel. So in modern terms, it essentially went from being the Hilton to let's say like a Econo Lodge or like a Motel 6 type of hotel. It seems like the Cecil Hotel only had a few years where It was really thriving and it was attracting the customers and the clientele that it really wanted. And it seems like as soon as the Great Depression hit, everything just switched off and it went in a completely darker direction. Because what's interesting about the Cecil Hotel and one of the reasons why I think many people think it's haunted is because it has a long history of death and tragedy beginning from the early 1930s. During the 1930s and 1940s alone, there's at least six different individuals who committed suicide in the hotel, beginning with the first known death at the Cecil Hotel, which was in 1931, when Manhattan Beach resident W.K. Norton was found dead in his hotel room of apparent suicide after he ingested a large amount of poison capsules. So I assume like some cyanide or something like that. And then only a year later, in 1932, Benjamin Dodich checked into the hotel where he had concealed his gun that he was carrying in his belongings. And when the maids went to go clean his room on September 17th, 1932, he was found dead in his room from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to his head. 
However, when the maids actually went and cleaned the room out, no suicide note was found. And back in these times, I believe when people would generally commit suicide, more often than not, I believe they would leave a suicide note and explain their reason for killing themselves. So it was odd that there was no suicide note found in his room. And then only two years later, in 1934, 53-year-old former Army Medical Corps Sergeant Luis D. Borden was found dead in his room after he took a razor blade and slit his own throat. And according to the suicide notes that they found in his room, he had killed himself because he was in poor health at the time. And then in 1937, Grace E. Margot fell from a window on the ninth floor of the hotel, and her body got tangled up in the telephone wires during her fall, and she later ended up dying in the hospital. And authorities are still unsure as to whether it was an accident, a suicide attempt, or homicide. Because back then in hotels, they would not make it so you can't bust through the glass. Like it was super easy to bust through the glass and go out the window. Like they didn't reinforce it or, you know, I guess nowadays the glass is so thick that you really can't go through it unless you had something really heavy that you could push at it at a high rate of speed or something. But you don't really hear about people jumping out of hotel room windows anymore. And then a year later in 1938, a 38-year-old man named Roy Thompson, who was a United States Marine Corps fireman, jumped from the top floor of the Cecil Hotel and was later found on the skylight of a neighboring building. And then in 1939, 39-year-old Navy officer Erwin Neblett was discovered in his room dead after ingesting poison. Lots of suicide by poisoning in this hotel. Because in 1940, 45-year-old teacher Dorothy Skyger also ingested poison at the Cecil Hotel. The Los Angeles Times reported her as being near death, but no other reports were published regarding her health, and she is presumed to have died from this ingestion of poison. Then this next story is just super crazy and fucked up. But in 1944, Dorothy Jean Purcell was staying at the Cecil Hotel with her boyfriend Ben Levine, who is 19 years older than her. And apparently Dorothy alleges that she was unaware that she was pregnant and she ended up giving birth to a baby boy inside of the bathroom of her hotel room while her boyfriend was sleeping. And she actually ended up testifying that she believed that the baby had died after giving birth and ended up throwing him out the window where he landed on a neighboring building and died. She claims that the baby was dead as she came out. And what's crazy about this story is that she was actually found not guilty by reason of insanity. And I guess we will never know whether or not the baby was actually dead before being thrown out the window because obviously the baby died as soon as it made impact on the neighboring building. But the fact that she was found not guilty is really crazy to me because it makes me think like who would just throw their baby out the window, whether it had died or not? Like who does that? I mean, unless she is insane and I guess she could be if that's what her defense was, but that's just so bizarre to me. In 1947, Robert Smith jumped to his death from a seven-story window. And then in 1954, Helen Gurney also jumped from a seven-story window to her death and landed on top of the Cecil Hotel's marquee, creating a gruesome scene for those passing by the hotel. It's very strange how up to this point, there has been a commonality with the, the cause of death and how frequent it's been, uh, you know, with the poison capsules to jumping out of the building I just find that very odd and unusual. 
Yeah. And and I think it's interesting to really think about why, like, is it just because the Cecil hotel is in skid row and people can stay there for cheap and, you know, people are just miserable in this area. So they think, you know, I guess I'm going to take my life by jumping out of the window here. And also why didn't the hotel like try to fix that issue? You know, like if you have like one or two people who have jumped out of the windows, like, don't you think it'd be a good idea to like fix that so that they can't do that? And the fact that they don't is interesting. I mean, obviously money is a, an issue, so it's probably expensive to replace the windows, but still like if you are going to replace the window that somebody jumped out of, wouldn't you, you know, go and replace all the windows with a better, more reinforced window? I mean, I would think so, but I guess the hotel is just barely surviving and trying to hold on and stay open. And so they really didn't have any extra money. And obviously it was attracting people that could afford that low cost of staying there. And then eight years later in February of 1962, Julia Francis Moore jumped to her death from her window on the eighth floor. And then later on in that year in October, Pauline Oton jumped from her window on the ninth floor after an argument with her estranged husband. And she ended up landing on a pedestrian killing them both instantly. Holy shit. I can't even imagine being that husband and watching, you know, even your ex-wife or lover or whatever, jump out the window and fall to their death and then land on another human. I can't even imagine what that scene looked like. That must've been crazy. Yeah, definitely crazy. And it's super mind blowing. The timing of that fall, like when she jumped out of the building, there just happened to be a pedestrian right there. It's almost like something supernatural is going on there. That's That's my feeling about this. And when researching the Cecil Hotel, a lot of people just blame the environment and the location and the people that are coming into this hotel. But I think there would probably be more Cecil Hotel stories out there. And I mean, there might be, but there would be more of this happening, you know, in other places if it was purely just based upon location and the people who were living in that area and staying at the hotel, because it does seem weird to me that there is a pattern here of suicides and both by ingesting poison as well as jumping out the windows. But there's gotta be something about the hotel that could be amplifying this negativity or perhaps when they come to the hotel, there might be having these suicidal thoughts and something you know, they feel while staying there just makes them feel like this is the time, this is the place, and this is how I'm going to do it. But I mean, I don't know, purely speculation, but it is very interesting how there's definitely a pattern here. So in 1964, a person named Pigeon Goldie Osgood was found dead in a room by a hotel employee. And when they went into the room, they saw that it was ransacked and that she had been stabbed, beaten, and raped. And she obtained her nickname because she was known to feed birds near Perishing Square. And next to her body was her L.A. Dodgers cap, which she always wore, as well as a bag of birdseed. Just a few hours after her murder, Jacques B. Ellinger was spotted walking through the same area where she would feed the birds in blood-stained clothing. He was then arrested for the murder, but ended up ultimately being cleared of it. And this murder remains unsolved. That's another sort of trend I've noticed too, is that any murders or, or deaths that happen, oftentimes 
remain a mystery as far as who did it. And we see that more and more as time goes on. It's absolutely crazy how that murder remained unsolved. And when I think about it, if somebody is stabbed, there would be plenty of evidence, DNA evidence. I mean, if they find the weapon, there's going to be evidence on that. And what about the fact that he was wearing bloodstained clothing? Like the police didn't test that. I mean, clearly that probably had her blood on it, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know the details around this murder, but the fact that it remains unsolved is very interesting. So, I mean, maybe it was his blood on the shirt. I don't know. But again, such a weird thing that there's these mysterious deaths happening in the Cecil Hotel. And then in 1975, a woman who has yet to be identified jumped to her death from a window on the 12th floor. And what's interesting to me is that there's a period of almost 20 years where there isn't a death that happens. And I'm not sure if the hotel was closed for periods of time during this time period or if just nothing happened. Because the next person to be found dead around the CISO Hotel happened in 1992 when an unidentified man was found lying dead in the alley behind the hotel. And it's believed that he either fell, jumped, or was pushed to his death from the 15th floor window of the hotel. And then from there, we don't have any more deaths up until 2015, when an unidentified 28-year-old man was found dead in front of the building. Some think that he fell to his death, but there's never been an official cause of death determined. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say that they just think that this is just the area and shit like, you know, crazy shit happens all the time there. There's murder, there's crime happening. So it's quite possible that some of these deaths are just a result of that in the area, not necessarily the hotel itself. But then again, there's still a lot of deaths happening from seemingly falling out of windows at this hotel. And now here we are in 2015 or even 1992 and still nothing has been done about the hotel. So is the Cecil Hotel haunted or could it be haunted or could all of this death just be explained with a very logical answer? A lot of people would say this absolutely just the circumstances and environment, like I said, but a lot of people, including myself, believe that there's something more going on with the hotel and it does have to do with its history. It does have to do with the fact that all these people have died as well as the fact that when these people did commit suicide or jump from the hotel, that they were in just a very dark place in their life. And clearly there may have been something else dwelling within this hotel that could have made those feelings even stronger, or even push them to the edge where they want to commit suicide. So with that being said, I wanted to explain a little bit about haunted places and how does a place become haunted and Obviously, people have their opinions about this, and everybody has a different perspective about what does it mean for something to be haunted, or how does a place like a building become haunting in the first place? So here's my point of view on it. The history of the building or the area is always a primary factor. A very old place that has a long history of human use and habitation is more likely to be haunted than a newer one because the chances dramatically increase that bad things have happened there as well as the likelihood of at least one person experiencing something very negative is very high. The chances of that happening are very high. I mean, would you agree with that, Joel? Yeah, I agree. During the lifespan of the hotel during that time, there was all sorts of violence going on and negative type of events. And all that negative energy in that hotel basically could open up a door 
for demonic entities or negative spirits. It would only attract them to come to that location. And it's also possible that there could have been some type of rituals performed in one of the rooms there. I mean, when you said open a portal or something for demonic entities to come through, it's very possible that especially with this area and the people that were you know, traversing this area, there could have been some type of individual that came in and performed some rituals and really opened up some stuff uh, to come through that would really affect the energy overall of the hotel. And what I don't understand is if you're living on the streets of Skid Row and you get an opportunity to stay a few nights in a nice hotel, you know, state of the art in Los Angeles at that time for a good price. In my mind, I would think you would be happy. I mean, you should be happy. But apparently that's not the case with everything that has happened during that time. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's a great point that, you know, if the people that were staying there, you would think that that would be a somewhat of a nice place. I mean, I'm sure the the rooms probably deteriorated over time and were outdated, but still, I mean, all of that marble and the lobby and just overall the inside of the hotel is probably somewhat still decent. I mean, it's better than, you know, some of the other motels and stuff that are on Skid Row. So yeah, that's a very interesting point. So it seems to me like there could be a possibility of some type of haunting happening there. Another thing I don't understand is why would somebody choose to commit suicide in that hotel as opposed to on the streets? I mean, there's all sorts of other places that they could do that. And why did they choose the hotel? Yeah, that's a really interesting point, too, because, I mean, there's all sorts of other places. There's overpasses to jump off of in L.A. with the highways. I mean, there's so many other ways to do it as well. And I think probably some of the history probably got out that they started associating the hotel with being this negative place where people did kill themselves or jump out the windows, or they just knew that you could jump out the windows of the hotel. And maybe people did it because it made a scene and, you know, jumping out of a window of a hotel is a lot more, I guess, glamorous, you could say, than jumping off of an overpass or something like that. So I don't know. I think there's probably a lot of different reasons for why people did it, but I, I'm still under the belief that there could be something more going on inside the hotel that we just can't see. Because another common factor for a building or a place to be haunted is bad events or situations that happen inside the building or place increase the probability of it being haunted because spirits who have not been affected by ill-fated happenings generally have no problem crossing over to the other side or moving on. While those who are the center of a dark time, like many of these people we talked about, feel bound to the world until they receive some form of justice, retribution, or simply someone knowing their personal stories of sorrow, which that to me makes a lot of sense, especially for the Cecil Hotel, because clearly this hotel is filled with all types of people who are going through hard times and were suicidal. So it would make absolute sense that if they died in the hotel or in the vicinity of the hotel, that they would cling on to that in hopes that somebody might recognize them if they sort of haunt the area. Because obviously violent deaths, cruelty, and abuse are also some of the most prominent events that bind ghosts to the earthly realm. And not only that, like we were talking about earlier, just people, their mind states and the places that they are in their lives and bringing that negative energy into their All of those things seep into the walls and seep into the floors and into the building itself. And that energy, that ghostly energy just dwells there. 
And that's why people, you know, start feeling a certain type of way, or, you know, maybe that aids in opening up portals for more evil and demonic entities to enter into the hotel. I mean, who really knows, but it definitely seems to me like that there's a very, very good probability that this hotel is definitely inhabited by some spirits, both just normal people and maybe even something more demonic. And if you think about it, the Cecil Hotel is probably linked very closely to a lot of these different people. I mean, it was obviously the place that they died, so they're going to cling on to that, as well as just people that came and went through it. I mean, it probably had some type of impact on their lives. So all of that energy, and I always wonder that about hotels just in general. You know, whenever I stay at a hotel, I'm always like, there is a possibility that there is some type of paranormal activity in this hotel, because if you think about it, especially historical ones like the Cecil hotel or the Stanley hotel, like we've been to before, there's been so much history there that over time, negative things are bound to happen or death and tragedy are bound to happen. So it does really make me think whenever I stay at, at especially older hotels that there's probably some type of ghost stories associated with this place or paranormal activity that's been reported. So with all that being said, I do believe that the Cecil hotel is most likely haunted in some way, shape, or form. And it definitely seems to be this beacon for negative energy because of all the negative events that have happened there. I mean, it's not like there's these positive ghost stories to come out about the Cecil Hotel where you know people are seeing these light beings or something like that or feel like there's angels there or you know seeing some sort of positive phenomena happening. It seems to be all purely just based in negativity and even evil. It's also important to remember that many of those people who did stay at that hotel during the time could have been under the influence of drugs or alcohol or any kind of mind-altering substance. And mixing that with a negative energy of some sort could explain why some of these people lost their minds and went completely insane. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that point becomes much more valid, especially when we talk about the death of Elisa Lamb, because her behavior that we see resembles being on drugs quite a bit. But the interesting thing about that is she wasn't. But the dark history of the Cecil Hotel does not stop there. Because some believe that Elizabeth Short, also known as the Black Dahlia, was seen at the Cecil Hotels just days before she was found dead by her mother and her child in 1947. And if you don't know anything about the Black Dahlia murder, it's a very brutal one. Her body was so brutally mutilated that when the mother saw her body, she thought it was a mannequin at first because of just how fucked up it looked. But obviously her mom realized that it was her dead body and her face had actually been cut in order to give her mouth a permanent smile. Like they took a knife and carved into her face a smile. Just fucked up. Basically slit like from ear to ear on the mouth. And that's one of those cases that we'll definitely have to cover in an upcoming episode because there's obviously way more information along with that. But the fact that she was at one point in the Cecil Hotel and then ended up dead a few days later is definitely very suspicious. Now, I will say with this claim of her being at the Cecil Hotel, there's a lot of people that believe this has been discredited and there isn't a lot of physical proof to really back this up. And actually, when I was in L.A. a year or two ago, I went on a Black Dahlia tour actually where they take you to the site that her body was found and the museum and stuff like that. They did not say anything about the Cecil hotel. So again, we don't know for sure if she was ever there or not, but if she was, it's definitely pretty freaky to think about. 
But perhaps the two most well-known residents to have stayed at the Cecil Hotel are none other than serial killers Richard Ramirez and Jack Unterweger. Richard Ramirez is a serial killer who we will definitely cover at some point, but he is probably the most famous resident of the Cecil Hotel, and while staying there, he only paid $14 a night. Now, if you don't know anything about Richard Ramirez, he was suspected of killing at least 13 people while inhabiting the top floor of the Cecil Hotel during the time of these killings from 1984 to 1985. He was actually known by employees and residents of the hotel for walking through the lobby in his underwear or at times even completely naked after just taking off the bloody clothing he had on and putting it in the Cecil Hotel's dumpsters. So clearly, like he would go commit a murder, come back to the hotel, strip down and throw all the evidence into the Cecil Hotel's dumpster. Not only that though, but during this time, corpses of junkies were often found in the alley surrounding the hotel and even in its hallways. And I think one of the reasons why the hotel didn't take Richard Ramirez too seriously, or I guess didn't care that much about the fact that he was disposing bloody clothes in the dumpsters is that there was often times corpses of you know, people that had overdosed on drugs or alcohol or whatever it may be who were just found laying in the alley surrounding the hotel and sometimes even in its hallways. So the hotel at $14 a night is definitely going to attract people that don't have a lot of money and probably a lot of uh, junkies that would come and stay there. So it makes sense that they would just find bodies laying in the hallway from people that had ingested poison or just overdosed on something. But eventually the police found out who Richard Ramirez was and he ended up being beaten by an angry mob actually and imprisoned in 1985. What's crazy is that only six years after Richard Ramirez was apprehended and sentenced to death, a journalist and convicted killer from Austria named Jack Unterweger checked into the Cecil Hotel. And it's believed that the reason why he chose the Cecil Hotel is based upon Richard Ramirez's association with it. So while staying at the Cecil Hotel, Jack Unterweger would actually go on ride-alongs with the LAPD vice cops. Essentially, he would disguise himself as a journalist, and he would actually use his status of the journalist, because that's what he was, in order to be able to go on the ride-alongs. And during these trips, which he said were for journalistic reasons, he would actually use them in order to scout out the victims that he was going to murder. Because it was discovered that at the age of 24, Jack Unterweger was convicted of killing an 18-year-old German woman with her own bra and actually was released from prison after serving 15 years. However, Austrian police connected the dots between similar deaths in Austria and three deaths in LA, and all the victims were sex workers and all had been strangled to death with their own bra. And Unterweger had a feeling they were on to him and ended up fleeing to Miami where he was later caught. But he was ultimately charged with 11 deaths and sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole. But later on, one night in prison, he ended up just killing himself the same way he would kill his victims. Now that we know that there was not only all of these suicides and mysterious deaths in the hotel, but also knowing that two serial killers, evil individuals also inhabited this hotel for a long period of time as well, and bringing in that negativity of you know, just committing a murder into the hotel with them and all the other metaphysical elements of that is just crazy. And it really just reinforces my belief that this hotel could most definitely be haunted. Now that we know the dark history behind the the Cecil Hotel, 
and some of the dark inhabitants of it. Let's switch gears now to a story that happened more recently that has to do with the mysterious death of Elisa Lam. So Elisa Lam was born on April 30th, 1991 in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Her parents had immigrated to Canada from Hong Kong and they owned and operated a restaurant in Barnaby, which is just outside of Vancouver. Not much about Alyssa's childhood is known to the public, but we do know at some point Elisa Lam was diagnosed with bipolar depression. And she often documented her struggles with depression in her blog titled Ether Fields from 2010 to 2012. And this blog is actually still available on the internet to this day. And her last full-length blog post was posted on April 22nd, 2012. And what she ends the post referring to herself stating, God, I hate you so much. So it's really important to understand that she is suffering from bipolar depression and mentally she was really going through some shit. So let me read the last blog post that she posted. She titled it worries of a 20 something. It says, I spent about two days in bed hating myself. Why don't I simply do the things that I know will make me feel better? It isn't rocket science. It isn't that difficult. Get out of bed, eat, see people, talk to people, exercise, write, read. If you want to do something with your life, well, okay, just go ahead and do something. Ugh, it's too much work and I don't even know where to start. I don't know how to do anything and it'll never work. I'll be judged. I can't do it. I can't do it alone. I don't know anybody. It will be a complete, utter disaster and no one will care about it. And of course, the point of doing everything is to get attention and praise from other people. Yeah, I need to get the most followers and the most views. And by doing that, I have to promote myself and become a phony and pander like hell. Good job. You're really following all the ideals you hold so dearly. Good job. You stopped yourself from even starting. You're so lazy. You'll never accomplish anything. If you weren't so lazy, you probably wouldn't have dragged out this depression for so long. God, why do you give up so easily? You make it like a snap decision. Why do you have no commitment and diligence? You're so freaking lazy. You're a phony. You want to cruise by and fool everyone into thinking you're smart, but really you did the least amount of work and pretended you worked really hard and you deserve this mark. If there's any way you'll manipulate people into getting it and then feel guilty afterwards because, oh, you didn't live up to your morals and ideals. The next post says, why are you such a snob and so picky about everything? Unless there's a guaranteed 100% success, you don't think it's worth doing? Wow, you're arrogant. You think you deserve nothing but the best. You look down on other people. And then she ends all of these posts with, God, I hate you so much. So obviously, she is not in a good headspace whatsoever. She thinks very little of herself, definitely seems depressed. And all of these different things that she says is important to note especially once we find out what happens to her. But like as she mentioned in her post, she was very active on social media, especially Tumblr. And some of the posts on this account continued even after her death. And what's weird is that even after she had died, new posts continued to show up on her Tumblr account. And as far as I know, I believe her Tumblr is still available to view today. What we also know about Alyssa was that she was a student at the University of British Columbia in 2013. And in an effort to take a break from her studies, she decided to plan a trip to California. She was going to fly into San Diego and then travel north through Los Angeles and Santa Cruz before flying back to Vancouver. And before her departure, she had a small party with friends and family to celebrate. 
Alyssa's parents were very worried for her traveling alone and did not want her to go by herself, but she eased their fears by ensuring them that she would call them every single day on her trip in order to check in with them. Alyssa Lamb left for her trip on January 22, 2013, and she successfully made it to San Diego where she visited the San Diego Zoo as well as some other tourist attractions. From San Diego, she then made her way up to Los Angeles where she eventually checked into the Cecil Hotel. Which, by the way, I know I've been saying Elisa and Alyssa Lamb. It's because we have a friend named Alyssa, so I, it's spelled the same way, but I, I know her name is Elisa Lamb. And originally, she was put in a hostel room where she had roommates. That's another interesting thing about the Cecil Hotel was that it wasn't all just individual rooms. They did have rooms where you would share it with multiple people. What's interesting, though, is that the people that she ended up sharing that hostel room with reported that she was exhibiting odd behaviors upon entering the room. However, no interviews with the roommates have ever been released to the public, which is interesting. As a result of just acting weird and freaking out the roommates, she was moved to her own room. And this is when Elisa Lamb was last seen on January 31st, 2013 by a hotel employees and Katie Orphan, an employee at the corner store by the hotel. And this was also the last day that Elisa Lamb checked in with her parents. And not only that, it was the day that she was scheduled to check out of the Cecil Hotel. So the following day, obviously her parents did not get a call from her and this really worried them. So they actually flew out to LA in order to help the police look for Elisa Lamb. Because obviously everybody thought it was weird that she just sort of disappeared from this hotel. There was no trace of her. They went to her room. There was no trace of where she might have gone. And so obviously the parents called the police or the hotel called the police and the LAPD ended up doing a very, very thorough search of the hotel and the rooms. And they obviously went into every nook and cranny of the Cecil Hotel they could and even asked residents there if they could search the room if they allowed them to. And they did. They searched this hotel top to bottom, but there was no sign whatsoever of Elisa Lamb. And I actually wanted to play one of the press conferences that the LAPD held. And this one occurred on February 6th. 2013 and they explain where they were at with the search yesterday uh, we were made aware of robbery homicide of um, missing persons case elisa lamb uh, she was last seen on the 31st at the cecil hotel at 640 south main street she's a canadian citizen and the reason that uh, we're investigating this at robbery homicide is because uh, we're in connection with Interpol on a regular basis, and any case that involves uh, foreign nationals usually comes to us. Uh, so right now we're asking your help. Uh, we have a photo. Parents are here. They've flown down from Vancouver, and um, we're seeking to get this photo out so we can uh, find Elisa. Uh, again, she's been missing since the 31st and uh, she was down in Los Angeles in our area just basically for leisure for travel and uh, we're continuing the investigation now and we're looking for your help so with that that's pretty much all I have as far as uh, details on the case if you have any questions I can entertain them now then only eight days later on February 14th 2013 the LAPD released a surveillance video that they recovered from one of the elevators at the hotel, which as far as we know was the last known footage or sighting of Elisa Lamb that day. And this video of course made it to YouTube where it went extremely viral. I think it's got over 22 million views and 
rightfully so, because this surveillance footage of her is very, very bizarre. Let's take a look. Okay, so the surveillance video, it shows the elevator opening, Elisa Lamb's coming into it. She's wearing what looks to be a red hoodie or a shirt, and she's wearing some shorts, it looks like, that are dark in color. And she goes, presses the four buttons down in a row, and then just stands in the back corner looking out the entryway of the elevator. And now she like pokes her head out real quick, steps her foot out, looking both ways, like almost seeming like somebody's coming potentially and she's hiding inside the elevator because now she's just like standing in the corner by the buttons, continuing to sort of creep around the corner to see if anybody's coming towards the elevator. Maybe she hears somebody coming towards the elevator. It's very, very weird behavior. Then she steps out looks around the left corner and then kind of like jumps up as almost like she got frightened steps to her left and then steps backwards back in the elevator back out again. Now she's like out of the camera's view. She's outside the elevator, just standing outside of it, kind of looking back and forth down the hallway. I think just doing weird things with her arms, kind of moving her arms around. But what's weird is that the elevator is still open. All the buttons are pushed And to me, it seems like unless her coat or her clothes are somehow triggering the sensors on the elevator to keep it open potentially, but it looked like she was too far away for, and so the reason for it staying open, I have no idea. She enters back in, she's pressing all the buttons again, the same order, and maybe even some additional buttons below it, just like randomly pushing them. Weird. And then, yeah, she continues to press the buttons, then go back outside the elevator and like stand outside of it. That's so weird. And and that makes me think like maybe she knows how to keep it open or something. And now she's just doing weird waving things with her wrists and her arms, like weirdly dancing. It looks like she's tripping on drugs. That to me, it looks like somebody that is on a really, really intense drug trip and they're kind of just like playing around in the hallway or something but it's very bizarre behavior. And look at that. The door still hasn't closed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand. Cause the door open button on elevators, you, you can't just like press it and it just stays open. I don't think like you got to constantly like push it. It closes after a certain amount of time and right there. Now she's completely gone out of the elevator. Now the view of the camera and it's still open and all the buttons are pressed. Right. Usually when you press a button, the door will close within a few seconds. Yeah. But- yeah. And that you can see them in the footage that the buttons are still lit up because there's buttons below it. You know, there's a lot, you know, there's a decent number of floors. And finally the door closes just randomly after a long period of time. That's so fucking weird. And then people, some people report like on the surveillance footage, seeing what looks like shadows or, you know, dark figures even. Yeah. The elevator doesn't go up. It didn't move at all. It stayed right where it was, opened back up, and Elisa Lam is nowhere to be seen. And now the elevator is showing normal behavior. But the it's not going it doesn't look like it's going up and the buttons no. aren't becoming unlit as it goes up like an elevator does. So weird. Oh no, it did finally go up. It went up to the next floor, I think. Because if you look at the actual wall, it's a different color. 
it was like blue navy and then it opens up on an orange walled floor so it finally went up but why the fuck did it take so long and where did elisa go that's just bizarre isn't it such weird footage and i mean a lot of people have so many different reasons for things happening and you know maybe the elevator malfunctioned or it was broken in the first place but to me that doesn't seem like possible because at the randomly at the end of that clip it goes up to the next floor right it starts behaving how it should after she seemingly like goes away from it very very weird and why did she get into it in the first place what was she doing and what was she trying to hide from just yeah. moving around different corners of the elevator and but then she wasn't really trying to hide from something because then she went outside the elevator is waving her arms around and like doing this like dance thing with her her wrists and stuff it's very very bizarre behavior i mean i don't know any other way to put it it almost makes me think that there was something else there with her and i know paranormal entities or activity can manipulate electricity currents right so those elevator buttons maybe it wasn't elisa was the one who was pressing those buttons but it was something else that couldn't be seen on camera Mm -hmm. yeah you're absolutely right so five days after the release of this surveillance footage on February 19th. So almost 20 days later, the hotel began receiving complaints from their guests about the water pressure being very weak. And not only that, but when they drank the water, it tasted bad. It smelled weird. And some people even reported that when they turned on their sink faucet or like the shower, the water ran black or like a dark muddy Brown for a few seconds before becoming clear. So obviously the maintenance person is called and the maintenance worker goes to the roof to check on the water tanks because they're like, what the fuck is going on? Why is the water like this? This is weird. And that's when the maintenance worker got to the main tank and saw that the tank's hatch was open. So he decided to check that tank first. And what he discovered inside this tank is truly shocking. And that was Elisa Lamb's decomposing body just floating in the water tank. So for those listening, these are big metal water tanks and the hatches on these things are not very large. They're not really meant for humans to go in and out of them, I don't believe. So when the authorities got there, you know, EMS and police got there, in order to get her body out of the tank, they actually had to carve a hole into the side of the tank in order to pull her out. And when they pulled Elisa Lamb's body out of the tank, She was naked and they discovered her clothes nearby her body floating in the water. They also even found her hotel key and a sand-like substance in the tank. The official cause for Alyssa Lamb's death was checked as could not be determined on the autopsy report. However, this was later crossed out and her death was ultimately concluded to be an accidental drowning. Which, how the fuck does that answer anything? I mean, I understand that they can determine that she died from drowning, but how did she get up into the tank in the first place? This is on the roof of the hotel, which obviously people have jumped off the roof of the hotel before, so some say that it's not that hard to get access to the roof, and maybe it's not, and maybe you know this hotel sucks at keeping their door secure, but how did she get into, let's, let's say that this door was locked, and I believe it was supposed to be locked, How does she somehow get through a locked door in order to gain access to the roof and then figure out how to open up a latch to the water tank? And these are tall ass water tanks too. So how the fuck did she climb on top of it, 
you know, get into it and then realize like, what the fuck? I'm not going to be able to get out of this. Like something is going on because no one in their right state of mind would do something like this. And also maybe somebody that was tripping on drugs, some hardcore drugs would might do some crazy shit like this, but they did not find any traces of any sort of illegal drugs or alcohol in her system when they did the autopsy. They also used a rape kit and a fingernail kit on her body. And the results of those kits have never been released to this day or even confirmed to have been tested. So they use these kits in order to test for these things, but they've never released the results, which makes me think that either they didn't really test them or the results of these tests are being kept from the public because of some unknown reason, or they just sit in line to be tested and they just haven't even been tested yet. Like there's a possibility that in LA there's just a huge line for this and Maybe they just haven't gotten to it yet. That's another possibility. But what we do know is that it appears that Elisa was not taking her prescribed medication for her bipolar disorder as often as she was supposed to because the levels were much lower than expected when they tested for that medication. So that leads us to the theories about what happened to Elisa Lamb. And does it have to do with the fact that the Cecil Hotel, in my eyes, is most likely haunted. Is there something else within the hotel that has some sort of play in her death? One of the most popular theories for her death is murder. And some believe that because of this long history of murders at the hotel, that Elisa Lam was just another victim. And at the time of her death, there were many convicted sex offenders living at the hotel. And despite the hotel's claims that they checked each and every room of the hotel, it's obviously known that the police did not check every room because it had residents staying in them and the residents didn't allow them to search the room. So it's very possible that the person that may have killed her may have dumped her body in the tank and knew that it was up there and went up there and put her in it. And that's where that rape kit would really be helpful to know what the results of that were. Because if a sex offender did take advantage of her and then ended up killing her, I think the, you know, it would really matter whether or not she tested positive for rape or not. But then again, like there's never been any suspects. Um, There's never been any persons of interest named in connection to her case. So this really hasn't been a theory that the police have really been trying to pursue, which is, which is very interesting because I think there is a possibility that she could have been murdered for sure. I agree. It kind of makes me think a possible suspect could be somebody who worked for the hotel somebody who might have had a key to that water tank or some form of getting into the tank. That's a great point, man. I think there's a definite possibility that if she was murdered, that a hotel employee would definitely be where I would look first for a suspect because I I can't imagine that they just would let anybody access these water tanks on top of the hotel for this very reason. Like somebody could go up there and pour some cyanide in there and kill everybody in the hotel. Like, what hotel lets you go onto the roof for one and B what hotel allows you to get access to the water tanks that everybody drinks from? Come on. That to me makes no sense whatsoever. So I think it's just really hard to say whether or not she was murdered unless we know the results of the rape kit really. And there's really no other evidence to support that she was murdered other than the fact that she was naked and they did a rape kit on her. But other than that, there's really nothing there. It's also strange that Elisa didn't have any kind of 
drugs in her system once they were doing the autopsy. And it makes me believe that whoever did possibly kill her strangled her to death and used the water tank to dispose of her body. That's a definite possibility. I think that that could definitely have happened. But I think according to the autopsy, there wasn't any evidence of any sort of foul play on her. Because I mean, if there was, I think the police probably would have pursued this as a murder as opposed to saying that this was an accidental drowning and kind of leaving it as this big mystery, you know, because this next theory is definitely bizarre. It has to do with the lamb Elisa TB test. So there's some people out there that can't help but notice that there's a connection with the test for tuberculosis titled lamb Elisa. And some speculate that Elisa lamb was just an alias for a woman with tuberculosis that was sent to LA as part of a campaign to infect the homeless population with tuberculosis in order to reduce their numbers. Believers in this theory claim that Elisa Lamb's parents are simply actors or acting and that Elisa Lamb is still alive. They point to Elisa's Tumblr account having posted a variety of posts after her death that continued through December 2013. However, the fact that her activity greatly reduced on Tumblr after her death makes skeptics of this theory point to the scheduling feature on the platform, believing that the posts were simply scheduled through the rest of the year. Elisa Lamb also showed no trace of having tuberculosis in her lungs, which was notated in her autopsy report. This next theory is definitely an interesting one. I'm interested to hear what you think of this, Joel, but there's a theory involving the elevator game. Some believe that due to the footage of her in the elevator, that she could have been playing the elevator game. And it is rumored that the result of a successful elevator game takes a player into another dimension by pressing a very specific set of buttons in a particular order. And because of the supposed risks involved, the elevator game is known as one of the most dangerous games in the world, actually. And believers of this theory believe that either the game went wrong, causing Elisa Lamb to have been led by a spirit or forced by a spirit to get into the water tank, or that Alyssa did in fact successfully complete the elevator game, and upon returning from the other dimension, she landed in the water tank on the roof of the hotel and then drowned. So this is there's a lot of these types of games out there, like Creepypasta has a lot of stories involving some of these creepy games that people play out there, and the, and the elevator game is no different. And I don't know, this one is definitely interesting to me because it based upon the footage, it does look like she is potentially pressing buttons in a certain order because maybe she thought this game was real and or it is real and this is what happened to her. But at the same time, this could just be connected to it because the last footage of her is her in an elevator pressing buttons. Joel, do you think it's possible that this game is real, this Korean game that is actually pretty popular over there? And do you think it's possible that her death could have been a result of this game just going wrong? I absolutely do think it's possible. I mean, same thing as a Ouija board, right? And if Elisa did do the game completely correct, it definitely could have been a factor into her death. If there was a demonic entity who did lead her to the water tank, that's definitely possible. Yeah, I mean, for all we know, I mean, I don't really know how this elevator game works exactly, but I mean, it's possible it's some type of ritual or something that interacts with some type of entity, which then in turn helps you sort of you know, traverse dimensions or whatever this game says it does. And that it kind of just led her into the water tank. And, you know, maybe once she came to her senses, she just couldn't get out of it. And that's why she drowned. 
Uh, it's definitely one theory. Another theory that's out there has to do with ghosts because in the actual surveillance footage, there is a lot of people that believe you can see if you slow it down and look at it frame by frame, you can actually make out what looks to be, you know, sort of black shadowy. I don't know if you would say it's figures, but it looks like there's some type of a shadowy black form outside of the elevator because I, I go back to her behavior and if she's playing a game, it doesn't explain all of her behavior. It explains the elevator and the buttons and everything and maybe some of the weird behavior that the elevator is showing. But to me, it doesn't really make sense for why in the surveillance footage, it definitely looks like she's hiding from something and she goes in and out almost like she's expecting for something to come and follow her or she's seen something or somebody coming. And many people have really scraped this surveillance footage and they've come up with some stills that looks like there might be some shadowy dark forms in the actual footage itself. And it's possible that some of these shadowy forms or figures that are seen or just maybe invisible could have had something to do with her death. And perhaps maybe she was seeing apparitions of something when she stepped out of the elevator. And maybe that's why she was seen looking like she was hiding from something and that maybe she was interacting with some of the ghosts that potentially could haunt this hotel. And to kind of support the whole idea that this is haunted and that there's ghosts, there's actually a picture that a boy from Riverside, California took of a ghostly apparition appearing outside the window of the fourth floor of the Cecil Hotel. And in the photo, you can see what appears to be a transparent figure of a man standing on the ledge of the fourth floor window. Definitely looks to me like there's some type of transparent ghostly figure kind of leaning out of that window. But it's really hard to say because the photo is so grainy, but it definitely could be something like that. One of the most widely believed theories of Elise Lamb's death is that she went on this trip knowing that she would commit suicide. The theory goes that she had been staying in a nearby hotel and saw that the Cecil Hotel had this horrific history, obviously lots of suicides that have happened there. So she decided that would be the perfect place to commit the act. Another theory that's out there that has pretty much been disproven is that Elisa Lamb went on this trip knowing that she was going to commit suicide. And essentially she found out the history of the Cecil Hotel and that's why she chose the place to commit her suicide. Now, there's a lot of evidence just debunking this theory altogether. And honestly, I don't think that this was her committing suicide. I really don't. Because who commits suicide by climbing into a water tank and drowning to death? You never hear that. Like, why would you do that? And if anything, like jump out a window or something like everybody else has. It doesn't make any sense, this suicide theory. But the most widely believed theory that even her parents believe and is honestly one of the more plausible explanations is that Elisa Lamb was just not taking her medications that she was prescribed. And so because of this, she was starting to act very strange and may even have had a manic episode because as we know, she was supposed to be taking a variety of medications to treat her bipolar depression. However, the toxicology report showed that she had lower levels than would be expected if she had been taking her meds as prescribed. And the belief is that Elisa is displaying a manic episode in the video of her in the elevator. And the reasoning for her pressing the buttons in the way she did was due to her not having her glasses on and not being able to clearly see which floor she was pressing, possibly accidentally pressing the hold button, causing the door to remain open until it finally closed. Which again, I don't know any hold button that just stays held like that. I'm pretty sure most hotel hold buttons you have to actually hold your finger on it. And in the video, we see the elevator standing wide open 
and it looks like there's no hold button being lit up or anything like that. So it's just doing that on its own. So I don't know about that. But according to this theory, she then made her way up to the roof after this whole elevator incident and most likely found her way through an unlocked unalarmed door or through a window or something. And she then proceeded to the roof or she proceeded to the roof through a fire escape, which I guess could be possible because they definitely did have fire escapes on this building because it was so old. So that would definitely make sense. But after she made it to the roof, she then climbed through the small hatch on the large lid of the water tank and the tank was less than half full of water and she ended up just getting herself stuck in the tank. And due to the water weighing her clothing down, making it more difficult to swim or try to pull yourself out through the hatch, she removed them but then just was unable to make it out of the tank and then ended up drowning. Now, to me, I don't know about this theory because... If it's half full, I mean, she could have been, she must have been treading in the water. You know, she must have been in deep enough water where she couldn't stand up. And so eventually after being in there for days, she got tired and eventually drowned in there, which is a horrible, horrible way to die. And I really feel for her and her parents in that sense, because I can't imagine thinking about your daughter that that's the way that she went out of this world was in a water tank drowning. But then at the same time, it's like, nobody could hear her like she must have been yelling or if she was having a manic episode i guess she could have her behavior could have been different but wouldn't the manic episode have ended at some point so i mean she was in this tank for almost 20 days so she must have been alive for at least a day or so or at least like through the night or whatever time she got into the tank at somebody must have heard her or she must have tried to get out i don't know This theory is just very, very bizarre. It also makes me think that while Elisa was in the water tank, let's say treading water since it was halfway full, that the water tank would begin to refill up with water from a pipe that was connected to it or something. And that caused her to rise up to where the lid was, where she no longer had any kind of headroom to breathe or, you know, survive basically. So she could have been pressed up, up against the top of the lid and she couldn't open up that hatch because if it was locked, did it relock and she couldn't make her way back through the hatch? I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I'm pretty sure the hatch was open still. So the hatch, she got into it. I don't think she closed the hatch behind her. I could be wrong about that, but still, I mean, I, it's probably hard after you've been treading for water, you're probably exhausted or she could have already been drowned at the point in which the tank was refilled again. But I think the bottom line is, is that she couldn't touch inside the tank. There was enough water in there and she wasn't that tall of, a, of an individual. So it's very likely she just probably got tired and eventually drowned from just exhaustion. And it's just horrible. I mean, it's a horrible way to die. But I don't know, though. To me, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense for why she would have done this, even if she was having a manic episode or was suicidal it it makes absolute no sense why you would climb into a water tank of all the things you could do. You could get to the roof, jump off the roof. That would make more sense than climbing up on top of this giant water tank, somehow getting the hatch open, which maybe it was locked. Maybe it wasn't. And then what diving into the tank, like why going to go for a swim? Like, I guess if you're just out of your mind or maybe she had a psychotic episode or breakdown or something where she just really lost it and did this and, Maybe this all was just an accident, but I don't know, man, with the history of the hotel and everything that has happened there, 
I don't, I think there could have been something paranormal or some type of evil entity that lurks within this hotel that may have had a role in her death. Absolutely. I don't think Lisa's death was a suicide as well. It definitely with all this evidence makes it seem that possibly after that elevator game, she summoned a demonic entity and that entity either took full possession of her or just completely controlled her and told her things that she had to do and had to abide by. And maybe because she was going through fear or panic or didn't know how to handle the situation, she obeyed that demonic entity. And then once she got into the tank, maybe that entity just disappeared. And then she just realized that, whoa, what did I just do? Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that definitely could have had something to do with you know the game and it being a ritual and you know maybe an entity that's already there or summoned or something like that had something to do with it and i mean people point to the fact that well it's not really that crazy that she got into the water tank because apparently this hotel doesn't lock their doors they only alarm them and so people can get to the roof really easily like youtubers and stuff have posted videos of them like going to the roof of the hotel there's graffiti up there and stuff so the access to the roof is not that hard to get to. It's how did she get into the tank and why is the biggest mystery here? And could it have been somebody else that put her in there? Absolutely. There's definitely still a chance of that. Is there evidence of it? No. But at the same time, it's like if it wasn't somebody else and she wasn't like placed there, then she got in there herself and you really start to wonder why. And a manic episode. I don't know if that explains it enough. I don't know if even being suicidal explains it enough or depressed explains it enough because it's just the most bizarre way out of all the ways that she could have done it. It's definitely just a complete mystery for me. And since her mental state was already, yeah, like you said, depressed and she was in the worst possible place mentally, any of that negative energy that was there at the hotel could have noticed that she was playing in an elevator game that was in a sense calling them and they saw it as just a perfect opportunity because how vulnerable she was to possibly take control of her and lead her into that tank that's just kind of what i think of all that and unfortunately i think there's a lot of people who don't even want to consider that theory or don't want to consider the fact that there could have been something paranormal at play here or some type of demonic force at play and i guess that's just because it's like where where's the evidence of it but at the same time when you actually understand that this stuff does happen and there's so many examples of it it really does make you think that it's very possible in this case that there was something just beyond our explanation that happened to her or a personal experience that she had with something that led her to do this to do something as crazy and psychotic as put yourself in a water tank so that you end up drowning. I mean, it, it defies all human common sense completely. Absolutely. And out of all possible ways you could commit suicide, why would you choose one of the most painful ways to go? That just doesn't add up for me. No. And if that's what the parents believe, I feel really bad for them because that's like just such a horrible thought. And cause it's just such a horrible way to die to, drown like that's one of the worst ways to to go and 
I don't know. I, I don't think there's enough evidence to really support any of these things. And for all I know, there could be something else out there that really happened or somebody that is involved that has gotten away with this. And that's really scary to think about too, because this area is full of shady people and, you know, sex offenders are staying at this hotel. I mean, who really knows people do crazy stuff and get away with it. And it's very possible. There was somebody that knew exactly what to do, where to put a body that nobody would see it for a long period of time. And they did, they, she was sexually assaulted and put into the tank. And again, the fact that the rape test results haven't been released, I think is very telling that maybe there is a chance that those results come back positive for rape because that will change everything about this case. Because if if we find out that she was raped before she passed, then I think that really changes the whole narrative of this. And I think most likely somebody put her in that tank. But as of right now, there's no evidence of that. There's no suspects. This is kind of a closed case at this point where the police are like, she went crazy pretty much or had a manic episode and or committed suicide. And, and that's what happened. And this was an accidental drowning. What do you think was the reason why that they never released the results of that rape test? Well, I think it's very suspicious that the LAPD hasn't released the rape kit test results but they just haven't even released the case file yet. So we haven't even actually been able to see all the autopsy information as well as all the information at the tank and what they observed. The whole case file is still being kept by the LAPD. It hasn't been released yet, which makes me think if they haven't closed the case officially and released it to the public, then they are holding out that they believe there was some sort of foul play involved with this. And maybe they're still investigating it and the rape test results came back positive and so they're building a case against somebody to try and, you know, get justice for Elisa Lamb, which really makes me believe that this isn't just purely a paranormal haunting or demonic possession or any of these other theories and that there is still a good chance that she was murdered by somebody or put in that tank by somebody and we just haven't found them yet. I think there's a very good possibility that that's the case with this. But as far as the Cecil Hotel goes, it was eventually bought by New York real estate developer Richard Bourne in 2014. And Richard Bourne actually runs a variety of different upscale boutique hotels in New York and planned to renovate the hotel and create a more upscale destination. And as far as we know, the hotel is currently closed and still undergoing some type of renovation. But the city of Los Angeles actually voted in February 2017 to make this hotel a historic cultural monument, which rightfully so, and I think it should be. So until the renovations are over with, and they're actually going to put a pool on the roof, I guess, very close to the water tower that she was found in. But until the renovations are done at the hotel, it will remain closed. And that doesn't stop people from going to it still, because obviously people are interested in this whole story and want to see it for themselves. But I'll be interested to see. I mean, I would definitely go check out the Cecil Hotel next time I'm in LA if it's open, because I think we're all very interested in trying to see like how easy is it to get to the roof? Is it really that easy? Like, can you go up the fire escape? Like really kind of play out the story ourselves and go in the elevator and see if there's weird things that happen with the elevator just normally. Cause I mean, some of this stuff could just be completely normal, weird randomness that happens with, with the elevator or, you know, cause the hotel is old. It's super, super old. So things could be malfunctioning, you know, who really knows we're, we're not experts, but, you know, based upon the information that we have, 
I think there is a very, very good chance that the hotel itself is haunted in some way, shape, or form, just based upon its history and the tragedy that's happened there. But also, I think that Elisa Lamb's case is likely still open, and they're probably investigating it even further and maybe even looking for the person or thing that put her in that tank. But we want to know what you guys think about this. I'm definitely interested to hear your opinion on this case and and the Cecil Hotel, or if you've ever been there or stayed there even maybe, definitely let us know in the comments on YouTube or let us know on social media at Lights Out Cast. Really interested to hear your guys' thoughts on this one because this is truly such a bizarre mystery that continues to this day. But we'll go ahead and wrap up today's episode there. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Lights Out Podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe and follow us on iTunes and Spotify. And until next time, lights out, everybody.